you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up, how are we doing, how are we doing, and welcome to episode number 50, that's right, 5-0, episode 50 of the Banner Banter Podcast, I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G, how are we doing, I just got back from TD Gadden for the first Celtics preseason game, and if you want to know about the new seats at TD Garden, I stand, so I'm not, you know, a big judge about the seats, but they are a little uncomfortable, um i am not that big you know i'm i'm 510 on a good day and they're they're tight there's absolutely no doubt about it but that's not why i went to td garden to go sit down in a seat and watch basketball i wanted to watch basketball and stand up cheer for my boston celtics and they won 107 to 106 it was a little fishy especially in that third quarter i think at one point the celtics were down 15 or 16 points and they were getting out rebounded like 36 to 18 at one point and then you know the bench came in and the bench did what they did and they won the game. But just a quick little breakdown of the preseason game because, again, it is just the preseason. But, you know, from the Hornet side of things, Terry Rozier, he returned TD Garden. I think he was wearing number three. I really don't care because I don't like Terry Rozier. But he played well, nine points, nine assists, and he threw a lob pass. So clearly things are going well for him because he could never throw a lob pass when he was a member of the Boston Celtics. So that was a little frustrating see. But... It's okay. It is what it is. Then a couple other guys who played pretty well for the Hornets. Caleb Martin, he shot the ball pretty well. Good guy off the bench, like a good off-the-bench NBA guy. P.J. Washington, talked about him last week in episode number 49, talking about how, you know, if he was available for the Boston Celtics, I think he would have been a great pickup for them. And then Miles Bridges. I think Miles Bridges ended up with a double-double. He is unbelievably athletic and the Celtics also have an unbelievably athletic guy Javante Green which we'll get into in a little bit so from the Celtics side of things how did the game go what did I see what did I not see what did the fans want what did the fans need first off the starting lineup Jalen Brown Jason Tatum Gordon Hayward Kemba Walker and Robert Williams III aka the Time Lord surprising not to see Cantor in there part of me is okay with Cantor coming off the bench. He played a lot of off-the-bench minutes when he was playing for the Trailblazers, obviously, when he was playing for the Knicks. What, two, three years ago, he was a starter. But, you know, Smart and Cantor off the bench, those were the first two people off the bench. They replaced it. They replaced it. Replaced it isn't even a word. What an idiot. But anyways, Smart and Cantor replaced Jalen Brown and the Time Lord. So you're, you're okay with that. Um, the very first play of the game I thought was great because it was a double screen, and I'm going to talk about that in, in a couple seconds. Brad is doing a different version of the double screen, and I'll, I don't, like I said, I'll explain that in a little bit. But double screen, Hayward ended up getting the ball. Hayward attacked the basket. He threw it up. The Time Lord caught it and threw one down, and it was very, very impressive. 
the starters really didn't play that great except for Jason Tatum and Gordon Hayward. Jason Tatum played very, very well. He attacked when he was supposed to. He did shoot a little too many three-pointers for my liking, especially since he said, you know, I'm not going to be shooting a lot of mid-range, not going to be taking a lot of threes. I'm going to try to attack the basket more. And he did do that. He ended up with 20 points. He was a Celtics leading scorer. He took eight threes, and I think he, if I remember from my notes correctly, he only took two mid-range jump shots, and then everything else was at the rim or at the free throw line. So I I thought Jason Tatum looked great, absolutely, especially defensively. I was really surprised how well he played in that game. Sure, he had three steals, you know, if you want to look at the box score, but his weak side defense was very good. He had a block shot. He, I, I just felt like he was more active and more alert about what was going on. You know, if the ball was on the opposite side that he was on, he crept in a little bit and it was very good and very alert. And I think that will, that will help, especially when Cantor's out there because Cantor is as advertised folks when it comes to defense, he is terrible, absolutely terrible. The only thing that really bothered me about Jason Tatum before I move on is he got caught traveling like twice, maybe three times in the first quarter, you know, trying to do his jab, jab step too quick going to his left, but he actually moved his right foot first. So that was a little frustrating to see. But overall, I thought Jason Tatum was spectacular. Gordon Hayward, he started off the game very strong in the first quarter as well. He attacked, he distributed, he rebounded. Obviously, you know, Gordon Hayward's never been known for his defense, but that's okay. I thought he played a very, very good game. He did get like a cut or a bruise on his elbow. I think it was in the second quarter. He attacked the basket and he landed pretty hard. It might have actually been the third quarter. I forget. He landed pretty hard on his like on his back. So he might have tried to save himself with his elbow or his arm. It could have got maybe hyperextended or overextended, whatever the case may be. But he said after the game that he will be fine. So that's good. It will probably just be sore for a couple days, and that's fine because Celtics probably have a couple practices, and then the next preseason game is on Friday against the Orlando Magic, and I'll give you a preview of that game coming up. A couple of other things that I noticed from the game. Kemba wasn't anything special. He only took seven shots, had four assists. I just felt like he he looked uncomfortable out there because he's never had this much talent around him. You know, that's not a shot to... Nicholas Batum, who's very talented, or Bizback Biombo, but like he's never had guys where he could pass it and watch them create and do their own thing. So I felt like he thought like, oh wait, I can I don't have to force it, I don't have to be a ball hog, anything along those lines. Like I don't need to take twenty five shots to make sure that my team wins. No, you you got help. So I felt like he looked a little uncomfortable there, and that's going to take time. One thousand percent it's gonna take time. I understand that Tatum and Kemba and Marcus and Jalen, they all went out and played in the FIBA World Cup, and I'm sure their chemistry was there, but it's just, the NBA is just a little bit different. So that's going to take some time. But with that being said, it's got to it's got to happen soon. This is going to be something that like can't like linger on like in December in hopes that everyone gets on the same page. This is, we can't have an, unco- an uncomfortable, I cannot speak tonight, an uncomfortable October and November. We just can't have it. It it absolutely cannot happen. The one thing that I really just didn't like from the starters overall before I start talking about everyone else is the fact that they came out in the third quarter stupid flat. Like, terrible. I think they went, the Hornets went on like a 10 or 12-0 run to start. Yeah, they. I think the Celtics were down like two at halftime. And then, hold on, let me, how, how, it doesn't matter. It's the preseason. I'm not going to look it up. But the 
the Hornets went on like a 12-0 run to start the third quarter, and it was bad. Like, it looked like the Celtics never even played basketball together before. The defense sucked, and that's going to have to improve big time, and we'll talk about that in a little bit too. Jalen Brown and the Time Lord, they had their flashes, but nothing really to talk about. You know, Time Lord obviously had that dunk to start off the game. He had a couple very, very nice blocks, but he also got, what, I think three fouls in five minutes and either in the first quarter or the second quarter. It was it was pretty, pretty bad. But the guys that I was really impressed with were Carson Edwards and Javante Green. They both came off the bench. Javante Green, he went seven for seven, and five of those were dunks. <laughs> and he, he is an athletic freak. That kid is all over the place. And if we're going to be completely honest, if we're going to completely overreact after the first preseason game, you know what? Get Shemi Ojale out of here. Shemi Ojale, I understand, he is built, he is chiseled, he's a freak of nature when it comes to weightlifting in the gym, but that's not going to help the Boston Celtics. I would much rather have Javante Green. He's a reasonable defender, just like Semi, but I would trust Javante Green's offense more than Shemi's. Shemi's just, he just looks clueless out there in plain English, and I'm just like over it, but Carson Edwards... I went to the season ticket holder practice on Saturday, and I was fortunate enough to be able to sit like on the court, like courtside, and his thighs are something else. I don't know if any of you watch Entourage, but one of the, a couple of the episodes was about Johnny Drama wanting to get calf implants because he thought maybe that would help him get a role in a movie, and Carson Edwards' thighs are insane. They're literally like bricks. I've never seen anything like it, and he he's one of those players that is wearing the short shorts, which is now obviously a trend, but man, those things were ginormous. But anyways, he shot the ball very well. That dude has a quick and good trigger. He has no issue shooting the ball, and I know he didn't in Purdue and stuff, but like your very first NBA game preseason, that kid caught it, and he shot it, and he did pretty well. I was I was pretty impressed with Carson Edwards, absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. A couple other people that I noticed, Grant Williams, he didn't shoot the ball very well, but he did all the little things that you love. Kind of like, I feel like Grant Williams is going to be like Evan Horford or Al Turner. It's going to be like a mix of Evan Turner and Al Horford. Al Horford makes winning basketball plays you don't see in the box score. You know, If you're a basketball junkie like myself, you'll notice those things. And then every once in a while, he'll get hot, and you'll be like, oh, wow, he can shoot the ball really well. And that's kind of like Evan Turner, because Evan Turner was just a good guy that came off the bench that could score a little bit, and when he got hot, you kept feeding him. And I can see Grant Williams doing that. So Grant Williams, for maybe right now, might be called Al Turner, A.T., whatever, whatever the case may be. Couple things I was a little disappointed in. Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart had the tale of two halves. In the first half, he looked awful. Absolutely terrible. He looked so, so, so bad. And I understand, I think it was on Thursday, he didn't practice because he was sick. But in the second half, he did play a lot better, especially defensively. I was a little frustrated with Vincent. I was very frustrated with him. I thought. He was going to play more. I think he only played like six or seven minutes, but I will say this. The defense looked better with him on the floor than it did with Cantor on the floor, 1,000%. Poirier, or sorry, Vincent Pleu is basically Aaron Baines with more tattoos, and that's it. I, I think Pleu will be a lot better for the Celtics than maybe Baines was. I don't think he'll like 
try and become a three-point shooter. I just think he's going to try and set good screens, roll off of them, dunk them. If he can catch them off the roll, he's not going to pick do any pick and pops. It's just going to be pick and roll with him, do the dirty work, rebound, and call it a day. And that's that. Overall, I loved the the type of offense that Brad threw out there. So last year, top of the key, Kyrie has the ball. You look to your left, Marcus Morris, stand by your man. You look to your right, Dal Horford. This means Kyrie can do one of two things. He goes to the left, and then Horford kind of slides down into the corner, and then Marcus Morris can pop. Or the other way, you go to the right, Al Horford sets a screen, Al Horford rolls, and then Marcus Morris kind of fades away to the corner. Now what they're doing is, like, Kemba will set a screen, go around Poe, for example, and then Poe then turns around and sets Hayward a screen, and then Hayward is wide open for a shot at the top of the key, and he knocks it down. And I really like that. I think that will be a great opportunity if Kemba can find these guys and if good enough screens are set by Play or Cantor or whatever the case may be, I think they'll be really, really good to get open shots and get guys into rhythm for like Brown or Jalen. Um, Brown or Jalen. Uh, that's the same person, Timmy, you idiot. Jalen or Jason or Gordon Hayward. Do you get what I'm trying to say? If you don't, message me and we'll, we'll talk more. The defense tonight, I was not thrilled with. It looked borderline terrible. It's obviously a huge issue going into this season, not having Horford out there, not having Baines out there, not having like your anchors on defense. Yes, folks, I understand Marcus Smart is a great defender, but he's not going to be out there all the time. And, you, you know, if Marcus Smart was out there, you were like, okay, we're good. And then if he wasn't, you'd be like, okay, Horford's there. And then if Horford wasn't, he had Baines. So you kind of had like those three guys backing you up the last few years. But now it's just smart. And then uh, I, I have I have no idea. It's going to be very, very interesting. Oh, yeah. And by the way, Taco Fall played tonight. Folks, listen. I think the Taco Fall story is a cool one. Uh, if he wants to make the team cool, I'm all for it. But people were chanting, we want Taco like eight minutes into the game and it was annoying it really and truly was he's a great player he played well he had a couple blocks couple rebounds a nice little put back dunk but people are treating this guy like he should have his number retired and i'm i like to be a little like realistic here like folks you got to understand if this dude makes the team he's not going to play he's just going to sit there so i would rather see tackle fall up in maine improving and then when he does come down he can play because I'll, I'll be honest on a opening night against the Raptors at home and he's sitting on the bench he ain't playing folks he's not going to do it Brad's not going to play 15 players he's not going to do it he has to be better than Cantor and Pule and Tice it's in the time lord it's just not going to happen he's like the fifth option there that's why he didn't come into the game until what Two or three minutes to go in the third quarter. So that's that. Now, now that that's all over. Oh, yeah, one more thing. Daniel Tice and Romeo Langford didn't play. They got a little dinged up during training camp this week. All good. They should be able to play against the Magic. And I'm interested to see the, the minutes between Time Lord and Tice and Pule and Cantor. It'll be very, very interesting. And now we have two special segments that we're going to do back-to-back. The original Stud and dud. We're bringing that back from season one. You gotta love it. And then our brand new one, Canter Banter. But first, it is time for your stud and dud of the week. Hit the music. And now, it is time 
for the Celtics stud. And the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, so your stud and dud of this one preseason game, the stud is Carson Edwards. I was not a huge fan of Carson Edwards getting drafted. My buddy Carl Crittenden, he can attest to that. He was all for it, and if he can keep playing like this, I'm in. I'm just a little nervous about his defense. I feel like it's going to be like Isaiah Thomas Part 2. We really can't trust it. But what he did tonight, how he carried the team off the bench, how he shot the ball with confidence, I was very, very impressed with. So Carson Edwards gets the Season 2 first dud of the season. And I'm I'm sorry, did I say dud? He gets the first stud of the season two season or the second season. Anyways, and then the dud is Jalen Brown. This dude still doesn't know how to dribble a basketball. And it is driving me absolutely crazy. It's now year four for this dude. He needs to know how to dribble the basketball and transition while he's in the paint, while he's trying to get an open jumper for himself. I, I'm telling you folks, I am putting Jalen Brown I'm applying so much pressure with Jalen Brown. You have no idea. This is like, it's a make or break bus. If you want $175 million, you got to play like it. And guess what? He didn't tonight. I understand it's a preseason game, but you got to give out a dud because I already did give out a stud. So your stud, Carson Edwards, your dud, guess what? It's Jalen Brown. And then our new segment, Canter Banter. And basically, folks, all all this is going to be, it's going to last as long as, as the amount of rebounds that he gets. So if he gets 19 rebounds in one week, this segment's going to last 19 seconds. And I think today he only got three or four seconds, but we'll figure that out after I edit all this, and that will be that. So let's hit the Canto Bantam music, baby. Yeah. He's a man who loves to get a double-double, but when it comes to the Turkish government, he's in a lot of trouble. It's time for Canto Bantam, baby. Wow! Okay, yeah, and that's the canter banter. He had four rebounds in this game, and next week we have two preseason games against the Magic and the Cavs, so canter banter will be a little bit longer. Now, let's preview the Magic and the Cavs games that we have this weekend, and then I'm going to give you the preview of what I think is going to happen in the East and what's going to happen in the West, just like I promised you in episode 49. So first off, let's preview the Orlando Magic game, which is going to be Friday night at 7 p.m. in Orlando. The Celtics lost to the Magic, I think, twice last year. And just for those of you who don't remember, it was like a really, really terrible home game. I think it was in October. Like the first, like the last week of October or the first week in November, the Celtics looked absolutely terrible. They looked awful, and the Magic washed the floor with them. And then, do you remember the night where Kyrie yelled at Gordon Hayward after an inbound pass that he sent over to Jason Tatum instead of Kyrie? Yeah, that was also the Magic game too. But... I think this is going to be a big game, no pun intended here, because I am going to be talking about the bigs, but I think this is going to be a big game for Time Lord, Cantor, and Tice. The Magic have a lot of athletic big men. Last year, I preached every single time when the Celtics were playing a team with a lot of athletic big men, they were going to get washed, and they did. The Magic, the Hawks, those type of guys, like the John Collins from the Hawks, the Mo Bamba from the Orlando Magic, they're going to have issues. So how can Time Lord 
fair against Mo Bamba or Aaron Gordon or Jonathan Isaac. Really long athletic bigs that can A, shoot, B, post up. How How is that going to happen? How's Tice going to defend those guys? How's Cantor going to defend those guys? Or is Cantor only going to be out there when Vujicic is out there? Because Vu- Nikolai Vujicic was an all-star last year, guys. He was the reason why, one of the main reasons why the Orlando Magic made the playoffs. For Seriously. So is Cantor going to be out there? Because Vujicic will destroy Cantor in the post because Cantor, like I mentioned, as advertised tonight, I knew it was bad, but I didn't realize it was this bad, like how bad he is at defense. So hopefully that will improve. You know, how will Taco play? Will Taco play at all against these guys? Because I'll tell you this right now, Jonathan Isaac can jump higher than what Taco Fall can reach because Jonathan Graham, is that his name, Jonathan Graham, the point, the backup point guard from the Hornets tonight? Yeah, I think his last name's Graham, but I think his first name's Jonathan. But either way, he would he would go in a couple times for some layups, and Taco was like, "No, bro," and just and just stuffed him, and that's fine. But like Jonathan Isaac's not going to do that, so it's going to be very very interesting. A couple other guys to watch from the Orlando Magic: Terrence Ross. He used to play for the Raptors. She could shoot the lights out. Evan Fournier. He was part of that France team that did beat Team USA in the FIBA World Cup teammates with Vincent Poirier so he'll be I always enjoy watching Evan Fournier play he for some odd reasons on that like list of players that always just lights up the Celtics whenever he plays them and then most importantly I don't want to say most importantly but something that I'm really interested in is Markel Fultz Markel Fultz for those of you that remember was the number one draft pick by the Philadelphia 76ers a couple years ago and for whatever reason, he just forgot how to shoot a basketball. He had no idea how to shoot a basketball. So confusing. And he missed, like I think, like two years in the NBA. And now he's finally back. And he's actually playing a reasonable amount of minutes for the Orlando Magic. So I'll be interested to see like how he looks, what his jump shot looks like, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then on Sunday, we're back at TD Garden, 3 p.m. against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Tough to say who's going to be playing in this game you know is it like the nfl the third preseason game most of the starters play the entire time and then the fourth one none of them play i don't know that's really up to brad stevens because it is interesting to see if brad stevens is going to be playing jalen and jason and kemba and marcus smart and Poye and tice all those guys who went overseas for the fifa world cup is he going to be playing them a lot or is he going to kind of let them you know kind of rest up get back to normal before this 82 game season starts so what are we going to be seeing during this Cavs game? Well, you get to see Darius Garland. Who's Darius Garland? He was the fourth overall pick in the NBA draft this year. He's a point guard. He came from Vanderbilt. Him and Colin Sexton, can they be the next Dame, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum from the Portland Trailblazers? Two really good guards. One's a shooting guard. One's a point guard. But who's playing point? Who's playing the, the two? It'll be interesting to see how Darius Garland and Colin Sexton play together. Of course, the Celtics... Most likely, will probably get destroyed on the boards by Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson and Larry Nance Jr., etc., etc. Because the Celtics did get out rebounded tonight, but not like a lot. Like if you look at the box score, you'd be like, "Oh, it's only like four or five. But you, if you watch the game, you'd be like, "The Celtics are getting dominated on the boards by Cody Zeller and Miles Bridges and PJ Washington and Marvin Williams, etc., etc." So the Celtics obviously should win this game, you know, because after. Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson and that Osmond kid, Jordan Clarkson, Garland and Sexton. The Cavs really don't have a lot of players. They're not very deep in any way, shape, or form. Sure, they have Matthew Della Vadova. I really don't count him, even though, you know, he's kind of like Marcus Smart. He takes every single possession 125%, and I appreciate that. But what I want to see in this game 
is I, I hate to talk about the big men again, but I want to see how Time Lord does. I want Time Lord to start, and I want to see how he does against someone like Tristan Thompson, someone who's got some pretty good footwork on the block offensively. Will the Time Lord bite and try and block every single shot and get in foul trouble, or will he actually play legitimate defense? Tristan Thompson's one of the best offensive rebounding bigs in the league. Can he keep him off the boards to help the Celtics win this game? And then Kevin Love. Kevin Love's going to be healthy, and who's going to guard him? In the starting lineup, is it going to be Jalen Brown? It's going to be Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown, like I mentioned last week in episode 49, he plays a lot of the four for Team USA. And he did a really good job defensively. I don't know, like, offensively how he did. In, In my opinion, I think he did, like, fine. But I was really impressed with how he did defensively. So are you going to put Tatum out there to guard him? Or are you going to put Jalen Brown out there to guard him? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what Brad Stevens does. So, yeah, two preseason games. Uh, this upcoming week, Friday, 7 p.m. in Orlando against the Magic, and then Sunday back at TD Garden at 3 p.m. against the Cleveland Cavaliers. So, like I mentioned, I was going to talk about, I, I try not to talk about the rest of the NBA that much. I try and just keep it just focused on the Boston Celtics, but obviously it's preseason. There's not a lot to talk about, so what can we talk about? Well, how about I give you my opinion on what I think the rest of the league's going to do and how the Celtics will match up. So obviously in the Western Conference, it's wide open. You, It's probably the craziest I've ever seen it. Like, probably anyone has ever seen it, even before my time. You know, you have the Clippers, you have the Lakers, you have the Rockets, the Nuggets, the Jazz, the Trailblazers. All those teams have a shot just to make the Western Conference Finals. That's six teams. Only eight teams can make the playoffs. It's pretty crazy. It, it, it's absolutely wild. Like, how... It, I, I'm like, I'm speechless, like thinking about how crazy the West is going to be. Like, I don't think there's going to be one team that really like runs away with it. Even though the Lakers came out guns ablazing the other night against the Warriors in the preseason game, like they were taking it like it was Game Seven in the NBA Finals. But let me kind of break down some teams that I like. I'll let you know what teams I think are going to make the Western Conference playoffs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But right off the bat, I really loved what the Utah Jazz did over the summer. They signed Mike Conley. They got Bogdanovich from the Pacers. Remember him? Guy who can shoot the lights out. Got Ed Davis, a good backup center. Uh, maybe not a good, a reasonable backup center for Rudy Gobert. Then you have Don- Donovan Mitchell. He's obviously going to be the number one scorer. So how does Mike Conley feel about that? Because Mike Conley, when he was playing for the Memphis Grizzlies with Marcus Gasol, he was either the number one guy or the number two guy. But Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley, you could argue, you could be one of the best backcourt tandems in the Western Conference. Sure, you have Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, but Klay Thompson's not coming back until the All-Star break. And then you have Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. So it's going to be interesting to see how Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley play together. Either way, it should be exciting. Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley in the pick and roll, going to be really, really good. Rudy Gobert is much more athletic and can jump through the ceiling compared to what Marcus Gasol could do. So obviously, Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley worked very well together in the pick and roll, pick and pop. Obviously, that's going to be a little bit different because Rudy Gobert can't be shooting three, so it'll just be strictly pick and rolls. How will he do? Will Mike Conley be willing to you know, be a 10 assist guy and a 15 point game a night guy versus maybe doing 24 and eight. who knows? But all the, all that Utah jazz fans know is that Mike Conley is light years better than Ricky Rubio. Remember you got Ingles who can shoot. You got Bogdanovich who might even be a better shooter than Ingles. And then Quinn Snyder, the head coach of the Utah jazz is one of the better younger coaches in the last four or five years to come into the league. So I'm not saying the jazz are going to win 
the West. I'm not saying they're going to make the conference finals. I just think they're going to be a fun team that are going to give teams a very, very hard time. But in really, at the end of the day, will anyone be able to score on the Los Angeles Clippers? Paul George, yes, I understand how he'll, he'll be out for the first couple of weeks because he had shoulder surgery over the summer. But PG-13, a.k.a. Paul George, he's number 13, so they call him PG-13 like it's a movie. By the way, has anyone seen The Joker? I want to see The Joker. I hope it's good. But if it's not, it's fine because Heath Ledger is the best Joker. Don't at me. Even, oh, I like Jack Nicholson too. Anyways, I don't want to dive down a deep, dark hole, but you got Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Patrick Beverly. You could argue that those three guys are top 12, top 15 best defenders in the league, and you got three of them all on one team. It's it's pretty, pretty crazy. You got Lou Williams coming off the bench. You got Doc Rivers. He knows how to coach a lot of personalities. See the 2007-2008 Boston Celtics that won the world championship or the NBA Finals, however you want to call it. The, the Clippers are going to be incredible. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. How much will they rest Kawhi? Because obviously Kawhi figured out, you know, hey, I'll miss 15 games and then I'll be ready to go for the NBA Finals. I think he had a thigh issue in the Eastern Conference Finals and the NBA Finals. So as long as Kawhi, I don't think Kawhi was 100% during that 76er series or the Warriors series. So the fact that, you know, he could have been better is just absolutely crazy to think about. And then literally across the side of the building, you have the Los Angeles Lakers, who I hate. With every single ounce of my soul, I do not hate a sporting team more than the Los Angeles Lakers. And they're going to be really good. They got Anthony Davis. Avery Bradley's on that team. They sure, DeMarcus Cousins got hurt. But Kyle Kuzma's hurt too. He's going to be out for a little bit. But Kyle Kuzma's one of the best upcoming guys in the league. You know, the big debate is between Celtics and Lakers fans, who's better, Tatum or Kuzma? I will take Tatum. Call me biased, but I'm just being, I think, realistic. But the one question that I have about the Los Angeles Lakers is LeBron James. Why Why am I questioning LeBron James? Second best player of all time. I still think Michael Jordan's better. But again, we will have that conversation another day. But will LeBron take every single game like 125%? Will he take games off for load management? Or will he try and play 75 games this year? That is what I'm really interested in because... Seven games of just Anthony Davis and no LeBron James, and you lose all seven of those games, again, just an example, that could take you from the two seed to the sixth seed in the West because that's how stacked the West is. And I think LeBron knows that too. So how hard and how much will LeBron James play? Then you got to think about some of the other guys. Can Rajon Rondo step up? How good will Danny Green be for them? Yeah, Danny Green from the Toronto Raptors, from the San Antonio Spurs, is now in the Los Angeles Lakers. So that may help LeBron because now LeBron may not have to defend the other team's best player because Danny Green is an incredible defensive player. Then we have the Rockets. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, the Rockets are usually always good because of James Harden. Then they have Russell Westbrook, who, former MVP, Averages triple-doubles left and right. But how the hell will those two work together? Sure, they played together in, in Oklahoma City many, many moons ago with Kevin Durant. I get that. But Westbrook and Harden have changed a great deal from their Oklahoma City days. And I have no idea how it's going to work. Does Is James Harden okay not being the MVP? Is he okay not scoring 40 points a night? I don't know. I think the the Rockets are going to be like the biggest question mark out of the usual top six, top seven teams in the west because when you think over the last three or four years in the western conference you think warriors 
you think the Trailblazers, you think the Rockets, and then the Thunder sometimes, or another team. But the Rockets, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, I have no idea how it's going to work out. I understand that they're like good friends, but I literally have no idea how it's going to work out. Then you have the Denver Nuggets. They're coming back basically with the same team, but they should be getting better. They signed Jeremiah Grant, who was kind of like the backup power forward for the Oklahoma City Thunder, who I think is very good. I'd love a Jeremiah Grant on the Boston Celtics. And then they have Michael Porter Jr. coming back. He didn't play his rookie year because he was recovering from his back surgery. He's coming off the bench for them. That's a great guy, an athletic big who can shoot the ball pretty well. He was, you know, if he didn't have that back surgery, he would have been like a top five draft draft pick. He was that highly sought out by a lot of NBA teams. But guess what, folks? We can't forget about the Warriors either. You know, yes, Andre Godal was gone. Sean Livingston retired. Boogie left. It's not really the same team. And But it, they still got Steph Curry. They still got Draymond Green. Steve Kerr is still their head coach. They're going to be good. I just don't. It's just going to be weird not seeing them in the top two or three teams. They actually might be like sixth or seventh. And the only way that they may may make that fifth or sixth or seventh seed is when Klay Thompson comes back after his ACL injury after the All-Star break. It's going to be absolutely crazy. The Trailblazers, they got Hassan Whiteside. I think that's a huge pickup for them because now if Hassan Whiteside, when he cared before he got paid by the Miami Heat, a lot of people thought he was one of the best big men in the league. And if he can do that now, now that he like cares again, the the Trailblazers could be really, really good. And like... It, they, they could be like the three seed in the West. They really could. It could be like the Clippers, the Lakers, the Trailblazers, and then the Jazz, and then, you know. And I'm going to give you all that preview in a little bit. Obviously, how good will the Kings be? The Kings almost made the playoffs last year. Deion, uh, De- De'Aaron Fox, I think, is so, so good. Probably one of the fastest players in the NBA. I think he's like a better John Wall. He can shoot the ball better. He's so fast. He can finish at the rim well. He was going to be the starting point guard on Team USA Basketball if he didn't bail to focus on the season. Marvin Bagley Jr., obviously a Duke guy, some little bias, but he's going to be awesome in year two. Harrison Barnes is on that team. Trevor Ariza is on that team. So now that they have a bunch of young guys, he also has some veteran leadership. So keep an eye out for them. The Mavs. Can the Mavs make the playoffs? How good will Luka be? I think Luka will be an all-star. I think he'll be incredible this year. And then they, remember, they got Kristaz Pozingas, KP6, from the Knicks. He signed there as a free agent. He's coming off an injury. He looks jacked in a couple photos. Very interested to see how he does. And then you have the Spurs, too. Don't forget about the Spurs. I mean, (laughs) Greg Popovich hates Marcus Morris, by the way, stand by your man. They had a little back and forth this week with the media. And we'll talk about that more when the Celtics play the Knicks. We'll preview that and the type of attitude that Marcus Morris is bringing to the Knicks, what really happened between the Knicks and the Spurs and Marcus Morris is all very interesting. But remember, Greg Popovich, folks, is still the best coach in the NBA. Sure, he probably didn't do his best coaching job in his first year with Team USA in the FIBA World Cup, but the Spurs will be good. But how good will they be in a very, very good Western Conference? And finally, before I give you my playoff predictions, the New Orleans Pelicans. The Pelicans are going to be awesome. And I'm dumb biased about it. Jahil Okafor, Duke. J.J. Redick, Duke. Frank Jackson, Duke. Zion Williamson, Duke. Brandon Ingram, Duke. That team's going to be a lot of fun to watch. They are what us NBA junkies called 
NBA League Pass watch teams, where basically if you have League Pass and your favorite team isn't on, you make sure you watch the New Orleans Pelicans game. I don't think the Pelicans are going to make the playoffs in any way, shape, or form, but I think they're going to be a very, very, very fun team to watch. So how do I see the Western Conference playing out? I think the Nuggets will be the number one seed. The Lakers will be the two seed. Jazz at three. The Clippers I have as the fourth seed, just because I think they realize, and Kawhi showed it, that just get me to the playoffs. We'll beat anyone, anytime, anyplace, and I love that. Trailblazers will be five. Rockets will be six. The Warriors will be the seventh seed, and the Sacramento Kings will be the eighth seed. I can see the Mavs or the Spurs also fighting for that spot with the Kings, but I think it will be Nuggets, Lakers, Jazz, Clippers, Trailblazers, Rockets, Warriors, Kings, and then in the Western Conference Finals, I see the Denver Nuggets and the Los Angeles Clippers, and I see the Los Angeles Clippers going to the NBA Finals to face the team that I will talk about in a little bit. But let's talk about the Eastern Conference. Let me give you my Eastern Conference preview. This one I obviously put a lot of thought into because the Celtics play 51 games against the Eastern Conference and all those teams, 16 games against... They play 16 games against the Atlantic Division teams and four games, two home, two away against the Raptors. They're good. The Nets, they're good. And the 76ers, who are very good. But let me just right off the bat make this perfectly clear. The Milwaukee Bucks and the Philadelphia 76ers are better than the Boston Celtics. They just are. And it's okay to admit that. It really are. It really is. If you're a Celtics fan, it is okay to say the Milwaukee Bucks and the Philadelphia 76ers are better than you. I promise you. It's okay to admit that. The Bucks destroyed the Celtics in the playoffs. Giannis is only going to get better. Middleton always kills the Celtics. And you can say, oh, well, they lost Brogdon to the Pacers. Well, guess what? Brogdon didn't come back until late in that Celtics series. So, thank you. Next. Like, bye-bye. Like, he didn't make a huge difference in that series. They also added Kyle Korver, who can shoot the lights out and can also lock down Jalen Brown in the post. Do you guys remember the Eastern Conference Finals against Cleveland Cavaliers? Jalen Brown couldn't do anything because Kyle Korver was bodying him in the post defensively. It was absolutely unbelievable. Then they drafted Luke May, who's basically homeless Kevin Love, and I don't like Luke May. He's a North Carolina guy, but that dude can rebound. That dude, I'm telling you, if he can get enough time, I could see him getting like 8-8 eight and eight in 15 minutes of work. He's just a workhorse. And the Celtics don't have anyone like that. Maybe Grant Williams? Maybe, but we'll see. Oh yeah, guess what? They also added Robin Lopez, who's a lunatic. So now they have both Lopez brothers there. Like, how is that going to work out? Oh yeah, and guess what? The Milwaukee Bucks also added... Wesley Matthews, and yes, I understand he sucked when the Celtics sweeped the Pacers last year, but he's not going to start for them. He's going to come off the bench, less pressure for him, and I guarantee you he'll play a couple very good games for the Milwaukee Bucks this season and help them win a couple games. I'm not saying he's going to be you know, their best bench player, but he's going to be a guy where you're going to look and be like, hey, how are the Milwaukee Bucks doing? You'll be like, oh, wow. Wesley Matthews is actually playing pretty well, not too shabby. And then we have the Philadelphia 76ers, folks which you could argue might have the best starting lineup in the NBA. So guess what? That means that they can be, I'm not saying that they are, they can and most likely will finish ahead of the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference. And again, as Celtics fans, that's okay to admit that because I think Brad has always had a good game plan against Ben Simmons. Obviously, Joel Embiid, they can't figure out, but the Celtics own 
the 76ers, or should I say have owned the 76ers over the last three or four years. But this is a true test for the 76ers. There's more pressure on the 76ers than there is on the Boston Celtics. So I understand. I understand that it hurts to see Al Horford with Joel Embiid. I really does. It sucks because Al Horford will probably show Joel Embiid how to stay healthy, how to play better defense, how to be more of a team leader, and it's going to drive every single Celtics fan absolutely crazy. Now, was Al Horford the Celtics' best player stat-wise? No. He probably should have put up better numbers, like 13-6 and six or something for someone with that type of money. <sighs> He probably should have been like a 18 and 8 guy when he was here, and that's fine. But now he can be that 13 and 6 guy because now he's going to be like the fourth or fifth scoring option for them. He, they're basically going to be like, you just need to survive when Joel Embiid is either hurt or on the bench, and that's fine. They also got Josh Richardson, folks. Josh Richardson. I, I always have a hard time saying Richardson, and I have no freaking idea why. But Josh Richardson is good. He was like the number two scoring option down in the Miami Heat. He's a really good young player. He's long, he's versatile, and he's a very good defender, and he can shoot the ball well. So if Horford's your fifth option, Josh Richardson, who's used to being like the second option, is now going to be the fourth option because he's then going to be behind Ben Simmons, who's then going to be behind Tobias Harris, who will then be behind Joel Embiid. It's absolutely crazy. There isn't one player on this Celtics roster who can defend Joel Embiid. Yeah, maybe Marcus Smart could piss him off, but let's be honest. We always used to say, like, Al Horford did such a good job on Joel Embiid. He really controlled him, and then you look at the box score, and you're like, wow, he got 30 and 15. So if Al Horford, who can wear out Joel Embiid, and Joel Embiid still gets 30 and 15, who's going to do that on the Boston Celtics now? I don't know. I honestly don't know. It drives me nuts. Ben Simmons never plays well against the Celtics, but that's okay because now they have Tobias Harris, Josh Richardson, Al Horford, Joel Embiid. And I I don't know if Tobias Harris is good as everyone thinks that he is, but Tobias Harris is a good basketball player that when he gets going, he can be really, really good. Sure, the 76ers bench has some question marks, you know, Mike Scott, Trey Burke, Zaire Smith. Could they all be really good or could they all be really bad? But their starting five is so deep that come playoff time, you don't have to worry to see if Kyle O'Quinn is going to play well when Joel Embiid or Al Horford, you know, gets hurt or need, need needs, you know, a five or six minute break in the second quarter. You're not going to have to worry about that because those guys will probably, Brett Brown, even though I think he's a terrible coach, I think he's smart enough to know that, like, he can't not have Joel Embiid and Al Horford on the bench at the same time. It trust me, it makes you vomit seeing the 76ers good. I don't mind the Milwaukee Bucks being good. I mean, good for them. But like seeing your division rival being very, very good is going to suck this year. Opening night could be a bloodbath. Like the 76ers laying down uh, an absolute smackdown on the Celtics. But who knows? Maybe the Celtics will surprise us. Who knows? Now, of course, we have some teams that we don't have to worry about. You have the Wizards, the Hornets the Knicks, the Cavs, and the Bulls. So we're really not going to talk about them. But right off the bat, one team that I think can really mess around with the Celtics for that third seed is the Indiana Pacers. I know I said it last year, and again, I'm going to say it this year too. The Pacers got better. They really did. 
what we cannot think about how we swept them last year. Because remember, they did not have Victor Oladipo. There is no timetable right now for Victor Oladipo and his ankle. Is it ankle surgery or is it knee surgery? His leg surgery. Let's just say that. No timetable on one, Zach, because that was a gruesome injury that he had last year. And will he be the same player? You know, the Pacers have had situations like this. Paul George was on the Pacers when he had that horrific injury when he was playing for Team USA Basketball. So they know not to rush these type of big injuries back. Is he going to be like Gordon Hayward? Is he going to need a full year to kind of get his confidence back, to get all the rust off, to make sure that there are no unknowns with the injury? That's going to be very, very interesting. So will Victor Oladipo, when he does return, will he be good right away? But they did add some great shooting. TJ Warren, they basically got for a bag of basketballs for the Phoenix Suns, which is insane to me. Jeremy Lamb, they got from the Charlotte Hornets. Very, very good shooter. They also added a true point guard in Malcolm Brogdon. And then his backup is TJ McConnell, the little gym rat. Basically, me in high school, the one that everyone was just like, oh, you're so annoying. Go away. Why are you trying so hard? From the 76ers. Everyone remembers TJ McConnell. One guy that I am a huge, huge fan of is Miles Turner. I thought Miles Turner was great in the FIBA World Cup. I thought he was really, really good. He's a great center in the NBA. You just got to be physical with him. I know I talked about that a lot with him and Sabonis last year. but And Sabonis is still on the Pacers as well. But you just got to be physical with him. And he'll he'll get a little he'll back down a little bit, but Miles Turner is re- I think Miles Turner has a shot of being an All Star this year, but we'll see. We'll see. Two teams that the Celtics are going to have issues with. I already talked about one of them in the podcast earlier. That's the Orlando Magic. That's right. And the other team, the Atlanta Hawks. Both of those teams have a, have athletic bigs. The Celtics don't have that. Both of those teams gave the Celtics trouble last year, and both of those teams are young, and they have gotten a lot better. John Collins has gotten a lot better for the Hawks. Trey Young, I'm sure, is going to be very good for the Hawks. Vince Carter's coming back for the Hawks, who's the opposite of not being young, but that's okay. And then, of course, before we end here, what about the Nets? What about the Raptors? And what about the Heat? The Nets are going to be good guys, even with Kyrie. I understand we... A lot of people don't like Kyrie, but you guys got to remember basketball-wise, Kyrie Irving is really effing good in plain English. Kenny Atkinson is a no-bullshit guy where I feel like Brad Stevens was like, cool dad. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Like, oh yeah, sure, son. (laughs) Whatever you say. Where Kenny Atkinson's like, no, go to your room. Nope, go to your room right now. So it'll be interesting to see how Kenny and Kyrie kind of bond. DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen are better than any bigs that the Celtics have right now. And the fact that DeAndre Jordan got literally got traded from the Clippers to the Knicks and is now playing for the Nets because he's boys with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, I wasn't going to see that coming. Unless Time Lord takes a huge leap, I don't see really Jared Allen or DeAndre Jordan like on the same level as a Time Lord. I think both of them are much better than him. They also got Tyrone Prince. Not Tyshawn Prince from... Uh, the old Celtics days who played um, with the Pistons. Oh, my God. Is it Tyshawn Prince? Anyways. Oh, what? Oh, man. That's going to bother me. The Prince guy from the Pistons. Oh, my God. What was his first name? Anyways, it doesn't matter. But that's a great pickup from them. He got them. He got um, signed via the Atlanta Hawks. I think it was a sign-in trade, if I remember properly. I think it was a way for them to kind of clear cap space to make sure that they could get Durant and Kyrie, and also get rid of D'Angelo Russell. Then, guys, don't forget, they also have Joe Harris. He's an elite shooter. 
Levert, he's going to be back 100% healthy. Spencer Dinwiddle, one of the best bench guys in the league. Pay attention to him too. Then the Raptors. Are the Raptors going to be very good again? Or are they not going to be very good again? Obviously, you have Kyle Lowry. I hate Kyle Lowry. I, I, I don't know why. I've just seen him play so much against the Celtics. I don't understand how he's a good basketball player, but it is what it is. He has a ring. I don't. That's that. Is Palco, Palco, Pascal Siakam, is he going to have a breakout year? Who would you rather p- pay, Jalen Brown or Pascal Siakam? Right now, to me, I'd rather pay Siakam. I think Siakam has more upside, but he's also a little bit older than Jalen Brown. Marcus Saul, he is now in the Raptors, you know, just like he was for the playoffs. They made a big trade to really dive deep to help Kawhi. And he looked unbelievable in the FIBA Cup for Spain. He led Spain. I don't know how far Spain got, but the couple games that I did watch, Marcus looked very, very good. And then you have OG Anobi. He might take that next step that, like, we're hoping Tatum or Brown or anyone takes for, for the Boston Celtics. So I think the Raptors are going to be a team that we just have to keep our eye on, not overlook them. Like, the Celtics are better than them, in my opinion. But... We can't sleep on them at all. Then the Miami Heat. I am not as high on the Miami Heat as other people are. Obviously, I have a lot of respect for Eric Spolstra. One of my... I don't want to say, like... Someone that I looked up to in high school, or when I was in, like, middle school, played in high school. His name is Danny Craig. He's from Chelmsford. And he is one of the assistant coaches for the Miami Heat. So, like, always try and, like, cheer for the Miami Heat a little bit because Danny Craig was such an unbelievable basketball player for Chelmsford High Basketball, and Spolcher's a good coach. Danny Craig is a good coach, better basketball player. I wish he made it in the league so bad. And they have Jimmy Butler this year. Jimmy Butler did sign with them. He can carry a team to the playoffs on his own, especially in the East. But remember, they still got Gordon Grodzic, who's a reasonable NBA player. Dion Waiters, he can either be an unbelievable bench player or a, just a scrub. He's definitely hit or miss. And then you have My- Myers Leonard. They got him from the, oh God, where did he come from? The Portland Trailblazers. So they got rid of Whiteside, but then they got Myers Leonard. So it'll be interesting for that. James Johnson, who's their starting power forward. He he got sent home earlier last week because he was so out of shape. They literally sent him home. They were like, you weren't ready for the season. See you later. And then they have a rookie who I was hoping that the Celtics would sign or a draft, I should say, Tyler Harrow from Kentucky, another great shooter. It'll be interesting to see how invested Spolstra gets him into the starting lineup or off the bench right away, but he's a very, very good shooter that the Celtics will have to keep an eye on when the Heat come to town or when they do go to Miami. One, Another team that I'm a little iffy on before I get to my playoffs is the Pistons. Reggie Jackson, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond. Those guys are obviously very good. Dwayne Casey's a very good coach. He coached a very good regular season coach is what I should say because all those Raptors teams before Kawhi Leonard went were very good in the regular season but terrible in the postseason. They added Thon Maker. They added Tony Snell, two guys from the Bucks that killed the Celtics in the playoffs. Derek Rose, who for some odd reason is like fine wine and like getting better. Joe Johnson, the big three MVP. I can see them either being like the sixth seed or I can see them being the ninth seed. It's very, very interesting. So this is how I think the Eastern Conference is going to play out. I think the 76ers are going to get the one seed. The Bucks are going to get the two seed. The Pacers and the Celtics are going to tie. They're going to have the same exact record, but the Pacers will have a better record against the Celtics because I think head-to-head is the first tiebreaker. So Pacers will get the three seed. 
Celtics will get the four seed. Nets get the fifth seed. Magic sixth. Raptors seventh. And the Heat get eight. But I can also see the Hawks and the Pistons fighting for that final spot. So maybe it's the Hawks. Maybe it's the Pistons. I'm just on high on the Heat as everyone else is. So that means the Celtics would play the Nets in the first round in this scenario. And then they would play the winner of the 76ers in the Heat series. So chances are, second round, Celtics 76ers. Can the 76ers finally make it past the second round? Who knows? Who knows? But that's it for episode 50 of the Banner Banter Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. I can't believe I've already done 50 of these episodes. Next week, I'm going to recap the Magic game and the Cavs game, and then I'm going to preview the final preseason game against the Cavs, which I think is either the 18th or the 19th in Cleveland. Then I'm going to tell you what needs to happen for this Boston Celtics basketball team next year or this upcoming season because is this team going to be exactly the same just with Kemba Walker? Not enough basketballs to go around. Who's going to play the 22 minutes that Terry Rozier averaged? Where are those shots going to come in that Marcus Morris took and Al Horford took? Who's going to do that? So it's going to be very interesting. And then I'm going to tell you what I'm expecting for each player next year's uh this upcoming season as well and that's all on episode 51 but thank you guys so much for listening whether that's on itunes spotify stitcher google play music soundcloud whatever the case may be and remember you can always find me on instagram and facebook at banner banter podcast or on the twitter machine at banner banter 18 thank you guys again so much for listening i am thrilled the boston celtics are back and i'm thrilled that you're still listening to this podcast 50 episodes and talk to you guys soon toodles and noodles x's and o's bye sorry but i'm gone history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.